Letters from a Glass House is a not-for-profit ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice, Florida. Support us today at UUCOV.org. heard of permaculture I know you have I think somebody told me that there's a permaculture design for the property right no green sanctuary green sanctuary so how familiar are you on a say know of it raise your hand if those of you that have heard of it are you very familiar no just have heard of it peripherally right Okay, so let's talk about what this is. How do I advance the slides? Thank you. <laughs> so the next slide. Okay, so permaculture um, is really a contraction of two words, permanent and agriculture. And it was started by this um, guy, two guys really in Australia, Bill Mollison and David Holmgren, um, and really they were, it's stuff that we've been kind of doing and they started to document it. And it specifically started about the, our natural environment. And what they did is they put together this system and they created um, a set of principles and ethics that will help you design the system. So permaculture, creative design process based on whole systems thinking, okay? So permanent agriculture, that's the, the contraction, permaculture, all right? So that's David Holmgren, with, and it, Bill Mollison, ideally, basically, it's kind of like a closed-loop, sustainable system. So your wastes become resources, your, all of those things, um, your yields increase, your work is minimized. Yeah, maybe at the beginning of this whole thing, it's a lot more work, just like anything getting going. There is a lot more work at the beginning of anything. But the idea is that long-term, you're moving. It's less work in the, in the long run. And ultimately, we're in storing our, restoring our natural environment. So just a little bit, just a couple pictures that I have here. Um, I did my permaculture education at Midwest Permaculture. I'm a recent kind of transplant, kind of a really young snowbird type, um, but I, I travel back and forth between Chicago and Florida. And um, so most, I just kind of started doing this in the last couple years um, after the pandemic. And so most of my training and everything was in Illinois and Midwest permaculture. So this is just kind of an example of what you're going to get in the long run. So the, the picture on the left is the home of Midwest per permaculture, typical suburban property. And this was about, I'd say 2007. So I did my permaculture design courses in, 2000, in 2007. And we had just started to build, like in our design course, we just started digging the ground and like laying the, the um, pathways for what comes on the right side. And you could see the big difference, right? This is now. 
2023. Somebody else could do the math. I don't do math in my head. Um, but so you could see the many years later and what's happening. Most of what's in there, the, he says about 50, 55 species of plants, primarily edibles. Okay, so that's the other thing is that, yes, it could look like that, but they're all edible medicinal plants. They are going to do something for you and not just be ornamental. So if they are ornamental, they are, you know, attracting pollinators and that sort of stuff. So every plant in there has a function. You could also take it to this scale. This is just, I just wanted to show you because there, there is some farmland around here and it's actually pretty close if it's not that far away from the suburban areas. Um, and that's a permaculture designed farm. And you just take the design principles and, and um, apply them and you could see how Like a monoculture. It's okay, I talk loud. Um, so for a mono, you know, most of our cropland is all, well, from the Midwest, corn and soybeans, right? So here, what do we have here? What kind of crops do we have here? Fruit trees, strawberries. But when you go to those farms, all you see are strawberries. All you see are blueberries. All you see is citrus trees and one type of citrus tree. There's nothing else there. So there's, in these, this five-acre farm probably has thousands of species of plants, okay? Edibles, and they're actually, these farms actually make money for the, for the couple that lives on it. Um, next slide. So this, I'm just gonna set this up a little bit, this video clip. Um, Bill Wilson was my teacher, and he talks about permaculture in a way that really I can't, no one could, I could, I could duplicate his words, I could say them, but he really talks about this. And this is an Instagram click, clip that he was, um, it's almost kind of, you know, he's talking about Midwest permaculture and what we can do, but I just wanted, I wanted to play that clip so you could hear what he has to say about permaculture. Hopefully. It's okay. It's Instagram, so I know it's a little different than we normally do. We, as citizens of this world, participate in things such that when we die, we've left the planet in better condition than when we arrived. And it includes everything. It includes energy efficiency, it includes how we build our homes, how we build our food, how do we deal with water, how do we deal with our pollution? Why do we even create pollution? Permaculture looks at the whole enchilada. And this is just one of the many things we talk about during the permaculture course. So, I don't know whether there was a little bit more at the beginning, but that's fine. Um, if you are interested, you could go and look at, he, I gave him, he gave me permission to post this and anybody reach out to him if you need to or would like to. Um, but so one of the things that I like to think about, let's go to the, yeah, the next slide. Um, and actually, let's skip this slide. I had this slide on here because it's pretty, but we can't read it. So I actually, the next slide has the information that we could actually read. Um, so I want to just kind of talk about the 
permaculture, what the ethics and principles are, and then I'm going to kind of tie it to the social aspect because I've been talking about the physical and like the, you know, the yard and garden design and that sort of stuff, but there's so much more to it. So the idea is that these principles and your designs are built off of these three ethics, care of the earth, care of people, and fair share, or basically share of surplus. Okay, so if I, you know, I'm on my property and I'm growing a whole bunch of mangoes and the person next to me, my neighbor, has a bunch of bananas, you know, instead of letting my mangoes go to waste or getting sick of mangoes, which I don't know, I could never get sick of mangoes, but, um, you know, being done with them for, for now and letting them go to waste, I share my mangoes and they share their bananas, right? So that's, you know, or another way to look at this is to share with nature. So one of the things that I realize in our garden as we grow is birds like to eat a lot of my seeds and they take them before they even grow. So you just plant extra. So I'm sharing my resources with them. I'm making sure that I'm feeding them and I'm going to end up feeding myself. So I think about that in the design and all of my um, thoughts as I build my property in my yard. So the permaculture principles, there's 12 of them. And ideally, we're going to start by just observing and connecting looking at our property, looking at the people and our resources, what's available to us, what we have, you know, is there a lot of water over here? Is, do we have a lot of people that can help in, at this time of the year? Do, you know, and then we can plant and make sure that we have people to help us. And I want to talk about the social permaculture. I might go, is it possible to go back and forth? I'm not a linear person. Um, oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I shouldn't light myself on fire. <laughs> It'll be a really dynamic presentation then. <laughs> um, so the next slide will talk about the social aspect of it, but I do want to talk about, so if we could go back after I'm done talking about this slide. Um, so let's go to the next slide. And we're going to talk about the social aspect. One of the things that I did um, in my research and my studies is I've taken these permaculture principles and I've applied them to other aspects of design, right? So I'm an educator. And one of the things I did is I designed a sustainable design course and I applied these permaculture principles to my curriculum design as much as I could. So... The idea that I have, and other permacultures, I'm not the only one, um, is this social permaculture where we take these principles and ethics and we apply them to our lives and to our work environment, our whatever environment we go to, our home environment. It could be a physical part of it, but it's also how we work together as a community. And so because permaculture is about relationships primarily and it's about working cooperatively together in the environment, so we can apply that to people as well, right? So just like we want to have um, 
diversity, and that's one of the principles is use and value diversity. We want to have diversity in our garden. We want to have pollinators. We want to have nitrogen fixers. We want to have food plants. We want to have herbs. We want to maybe grow some um, medicinal plants so we can make some tinctures. We have that in our garden. We see that. What about our work environment? You know, it's the same exact thing. If we have a team of people working on one thing together and they're all good at the same thing, what are you going to get? Why not have a team of people that have all the different, you know, different things that they can bring to the table and we can have a cooperative environment? So when you fight nature, it's very hard, right? You notice that those weeds that are in your garden, you're constantly pulling them, right? And I don't like weeds. I, don't, I actually don't like this grass either. This, is, this grass is a weed to me because um, it does nothing for me. It's not going to give me any... I'm not going to be able to cut it and make any tinctures from it. I'm not going to get any medicinal. It just makes me sneeze and itch, really. That's just what it does. And that's, you know, there are some invasive species that we want to kind of get out. But for the most part... Other plants, when you let your grass, if you don't mow your grass, you'll get that like Florida snow, right? That's beautiful to me. When you look at at your grass and you get that Florida snow, that's not intended to be part of your yard. That's a, you know, something that kind of came in and flowered unexpectedly. And nature will take over. And if you fight it, you keep fighting it, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of energy, instead of just flowing with nature. Just like, you know, in Chicago, they like reversed the direction of the river, right? That's a lot of work. Not sure why we did that. But, you know, I, I mean, there are reasons, and I do know the reasons, pollution, all those other things, but it's a lot of work to go against nature. So we want to try to use our renewable resources and regenerate, okay? So let's go back to the last slide, please. So these permaculture principles, I don't know how much time I have. Okay. Um, So these permaculture principles, some of them are easy to apply to our social aspect, right? To maybe our work environment, our home environment, even our worship environment. Um, You know, observing and connecting. We want to observe others, look at what they're interested in, talk to them, connect with them, join with them, and then maybe catch and store their energy, right? And it kind of seems weird to talk about a person like that, but you know, my energy that I know towards designing of this can be used with this person's knowledge of local plants and that sort of stuff, and we can, or whatever we're we're doing, we can kind of come together and feed off of each other's energy. Okay, obtaining a yield. Again, we want to make sure that we're fruitful. <laughs> our garden is producing. Our worker producing. We have um, regulation, self-regulation and feedback. This is a big thing. In the Midwest, we have this big, long winter season. And here, we have a big, long summer season that it's really challenging to grow things, 
this time of year. You know, if you look at your yard, you're like, okay, at 104 degrees out, I'm just going to hopefully plan that, you know, nothing gets scorched. And it's kind of the opposite, you know, it's just inhabitably cold up north. So you have this time where you can look at your life or look at your yard, you regulate, you get feedback, you say, this this part was not so successful. So we could do this the same way in our social environment too, that when we're done with the project, we look at the project. That This is one of the things that I know, you know, working on teams and that sort of stuff, working in the school environment, unfortunately, in an education environment, we should be reflecting and improving. But I know a lot of times we kind of get caught up, oh, the next project or the next semester, the next quarter is here. I don't have time to reflect up on last quarter and regulate myself and say, you know what, that what lesson wasn't so successful. Let me try it again differently. That's a hard thing to do because we kind of get caught in the rigmarole of life, right? And so if we just take a step back and we, you know, apply these principles, we can, you know, make our next endeavor better and more successful. Renewable resources, that's an important thing, producing no waste. Again, some of these are a little bit, uh, you can almost poetically apply them to your social aspect because they're very tangible things, right? Like producing no waste, Um, designing from patterns to details. Again, that's kind of, you know, a little bit more tangible. But when we think about patterns and details, we could think about this person has a pattern of being very organized and very regimented, while I may be kind of a little scattered. This person can help me take my scatteredness and hone it and focus it a little bit more, right? So that's why, you know, that's a way we can kind of come from that aspect. Integrate rather than segregate, that should be, you know, that's kind of, to me, a little um, self-explanatory. We want to have diversity that ties into number 10 with valuing diversity everybody has differences and we all need to celebrate the differences that we have and we bring to the table and um valuing the marginal um you know the people that we think are maybe undesirable really have a lot to offer and maybe if we kind of break through our barriers and break through the barriers we can kind of come through and maybe take them off the margins, right? Maybe bring them into the mix and they're not then so marginal. This one is actually, when we're talking about the the natural environment, it's talking about the margins between two different environments like the ecotone, right? So that space between water and land right there, right where the water and land meet are the most diverse, full of life. There's lots of plants, there's lots of animals. And as opposed to like in the middle of that lake, in the middle of that, you know, glen or whatever it is, and where they come together and the two differences meet, all of that's really fruitful. And then responding to change, this kind of ties back to number four, where you're regulating and you're looking back and you're saying, okay, so it's hotter this year than it's ever been. How are we going to do deal with this? We had a hurricane last year with floods greater than we have ever experienced before. 
how are we going to ex- respond to this? And how can we manage in this ever-changing environment and actually become a community while we're doing it? So, um, I think we're right. <laughs> <laughs> Abrupt, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs>